Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Money and Meaning Show. I am so pleased that you chose to join us again today. Uh, really enjoy the, this opportunity to share a few ideas with, with you. Um, you know, I have been thinking a lot of, lately about how life is a journey and how that journey is largely around helping figure out kind of what matters uh, and then help create the capacity and the freedom to go pursue what matters. And that's what this show is really about. This show is really all about having deeper conversations about meaning and purpose and what you know gets you up every morning. Um, but it's also about creating capacity, creating the freedom. And you know, one aspect of creating that freedom is the thing that we do professionally, which is wealth management. And so again, I am, I am so pleased that you're here with us today as we talk about and delve into issues around both meaning and purpose and you know, what, what, what you're calling, but also how do we create the financial margin to go pursue those things that matter most. Um, you know, I heard an analogy many years ago, and I think it's a good one. Um, the work that we do as wealth managers, um, we're conductors. We conduct the orchestra. We're not the virtuosos in all the instruments, um, but we need to be able to recruit and retrain, to, uh, retain uh, and put an orchestra together of the best players in their seats. And that's a large part of what we do in our firm. We believe that we have a unique gifts and we need to focus on those unique gifts and partner with others whose unique gifts complement what we do to serve our clients. And one important element of that, obviously, is in investment management. Uh, so I've been privileged over the last several years to develop a long and uh, a really helpful relationship with Dimensional Fund Advisors. Dimensional Fund Advisors is one of the nation's leading uh, proponents of what we call evidence-based investing. And, and we can talk more about that a little bit later in the show. But I am really, really excited about our guest today. Our guest today is Jake DeKinder. Uh, Jake is the head of client communications for Dimensional. Uh, he manages um, their communication strategy as they work with wealth managers and advisors all over the world. In this role, he helps those advisors and, and investors, essentially, by helping create content that's meaningful and useful to help make better investment decisions, but also, um, you know, to be a resource. Because again, we talk in our firm a lot about clarity and confidence. And we know that if our clients understand what, they're, what they own and why they own it, they tend to have a lot more confidence. So uh, Jake is a CFA charter holder. He's got an MBA and an MPA from um, the graduate school at the University of Texas. And he got his undergrad right here in Atlanta, Georgia at Emory University. So welcome, Jake DeKinder, to the Money and Meaning Show. Well, Jeff, it's uh, it's great to be with you and uh, your guests. I'm uh, I'm excited about the conversation today. Yeah, well, well, thanks so much. I, I um, you, you know, so much of what we try to do is to make things personal. You know, finance can be impersonal, unfortunately, many times, and so we want to make it personal. And uh, one of the one of the uh, most enjoyable things about our role in being this conductor is we do get to meet a lot of people from different firms. Um, but I always love to start when I have a guest, just getting you to tell me just a little bit about or tell our audience a little bit about 
yourself and your family and how you found yourself in this role at Dimensional. Yeah, certainly. Happy to uh, <clears throat> give a little background there. I've uh, been married now for 14 years. We got three kiddos. Uh, we got Barkley, Maya, and uh, I keep calling, I used to call her little baby Mabel, but she's not a baby anymore. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we live here in Austin, Texas and uh, couldn't be happier. My wife's a professor at University of, of Texas. Um, I grew up in Kansas uh, and was there until I was 18 and then went to undergrad at Emory University, loved Atlanta, had a great time. Uh, and then we moved here in, uh, in 2007. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, went back to grad school at University uh, of Texas and um, started studying uh, initially actually uh, corporate finance and then moved from corporate finance over to uh, investments. And, you know, how I found myself in this position was I had this professor who I, I say we used to respectfully butt heads in class. Um, you know, I just, I would ask questions. I would challenge some things. And one day he pulled me aside and he just said, you know, look, he's like, you don't seem like you want to be a stock picker, meaning go out and, you know, analyze companies, pick individual stocks. And I just said, it just doesn't add up to me. I just, I, I don't see how, you know, one person pouring over financial statements somehow comes up with the price for a stock or this or that. And he said, hey, have you heard about this company Dimensional? Uh, and I had because my dad and, and half brother had been in the industry forever uh, and just started learning more uh, about the organization and their view on markets, their view on the world. Um, and, and it sort of leads you down this path to, I'll, I'll, you know, you hit on it. It's the evidence, right? What does the data tell you? What does the evidence tell you? Uh, and the more you learn about it, it just lines up with it's a really logical way to manage money. And, and I'll say beyond that, not even manage money, just view the investment world. So it aligned very well with my views that were forming uh, around what it meant uh, I'll say to have a good investment experience. Uh, and that's kind of what led me to this point and, and the point that I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's great. And the, and the, and the cool thing about that is, you know, when you, when you understand it and you have this core belief and you believe in it, uh, it's certainly a lot easier to tell the story. And obviously you believed in it before you even went with a firm that practiced it. So that's, that's kind of cool that you kind of got to it intuitively. So, which is unusual. I didn't come at it that route. And we've, we've talked about that on the show a bit. So I thought uh, I'd take advantage of you today a little bit. And uh, I, I, I seem to be getting the same themes from investors in terms of questions. And, and as a director of communications, I, I think that you probably would be a good one to at least brainstorm a few ways to think about some of these questions that I've been getting. And they rotate really around these three primary themes, or at least they seem to center around these three major themes today. So, you know, we, we talk about doing, you know, this right brain emotional planning and this left brain technical planning. So today, maybe a little more left brain technical, but we'll, we'll see. So let me just start with the first one. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions about what I'm calling the inflation narrative. Um, and it's become the hot topic du jour. Um, and so I guess I would just ask you, what is your view or Dimensional's view on this inflation concerns that seem to be raising their heads? And a secondary part of that is, are there things that we should be doing differently in the portfolios as it relates to inflation? So I'll just tee you up with that one and get your thoughts, if you would mind. Yeah, it's a good place to start the discussion because you're right. I mean, it, it's really popular. I mean, you can't pick up a paper or turn on the TV or even talk to your neighbor and not have the that narrative. And I like the I, I like the term you use there, narrative uh, of inflation pop up. So I guess there's a couple ways that I think about this. One, let's remember that a little bit of inflation is good. The Fed sets a positive inflation 
target. Uh, what's the alternative? It's deflation and extended periods of deflation is probably not what you want for an economy. So let's a little bit of inflation. Like that's good. That's kind of what we're striving for. Um, but I think you have to disconnect all of the articles that you're reading and what people are, I'll say, hyping up around what the data actually tells you. And, and I look at that in a couple of different ways. So, you know, first, if you go out there and you say, well, what is the market actually pricing in around inflation. And when I mean pricing in, what I mean is I can look at something like uh, a nominal treasury bond and say, okay, if I just went out and I bought a bond and that's lending some money to the government there, you know, what is that right now in terms of the expectations there versus an inflation protected security, which you also can buy from the government. And if you just look at the difference between those two, it's sort of called the break-even inflation rate. And you can look this up. You can go to uh, St. Louis Fed. Anybody can look this yeah. up and you can put yeah. a chart all the time. And let's call it right around, you know, two and a half, 2.7% inflation. You look over the last 10 years, that's kind of what the market's been pricing in for inflation. So it makes a good narrative around, oh my gosh, there's all of this stimulus and the market's being flooded by all of this free money and everything and inflation's going to run rampant. And then you look at the data of what the market's telling you, pricing in for inflation for the next five or 10 years, and it's not really there. And oh, by the way, you don't have to go back that long. Go back to 08, 09, when you literally could read the exact same article. Market's being flooded with stimulus, right. inflation run rampant. <clears throat> the market was pricing in inflation around, let's call it two and a half, three percent 3%. What do we get over the next few years? Well, we got about two and a half, three percent 3%. So you got to be careful paying attention to the hype versus what the data is actually telling you. And now let's take that second part of your question, which is, okay, so what should I do right. investor? And I'd like to kind of frame it around the idea of can't control and can't control. Look, inflation's going to be what inflation's going to be. I, I have no control over that. But if I say inflation's a concern for me, okay, great. I can address that in a couple of ways. One, I can actually buy bonds from the government, TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, right. that will hedge unexpected inflation. So I right. kind of take risk off of the table. Right. But here's what I find is I don't think when people are asking that question, I don't think when the average investor is asking that question, that they're really trying to say, I need to perfectly eliminate the risk of inflation. I think what they're asking is, look, I just don't want to lose purchasing power, right? Yeah. I don't want my money to be worth less in the future. Right. That's kind of leads you a little bit more down what I'll call a total return approach. Meaning, you know, my bonds are probably going to do okay in inflation environment because by the way, inflation's already priced into those bonds. And then I got my stock side that, you know, for the most part's probably going to outpace inflation over the long term. So the investors are really asking, "Hey, just make sure that my money's not worth less in real terms in the future." Right. Got a broadly diversified portfolio, you got some stocks, you got some bonds in right. there. Right. You know, you're probably going to be okay. Right. Yeah, I, I think the way we frame it as well is in a broadly diversified global portfolio, you've got asset classes that defend you against a number of different types of risk. And inflation is one of them. There are certain asset classes that will protect you in a higher than expected inflation environment. Um, but those same asset classes may not be the best asset classes to own in a deep recession, or a bear market. 
So you've got to just, again, as you build a broadly diversified portfolio, just recognize, again, there are things you can control, things you can't control, and make sure that you're ad- adequately allocated so that you get real return after inflation. So th- thank well, you. That's, listen, that's a great way to think about it because yeah. a few investors have, <laughs> have really kind of one goal, right? They sort of like, and they got these kind of mental buckets of goals. Okay, I'm, I'm concerned about inflation, but I also don't want to lose money, but I also want to grow my wealth over right. time. Or you can say, look, we build this broadly diversified portfolio to address all of those concerns. And I mean, a huge value of what advisors bring to the table. Right. The second question, again, that I get from investors is really a, is really a subset of the first question, and it relates to interest rates. Um, you know, we, uh, again, we play, this may not the right terminology that uh, you guys might use, but we play offense with owning great businesses and equities, real estate or great businesses. And we play defense with fixed income, you know, with, with interest-bearing fixed income investments. And as you know, today we have really low interest rates. So the question I keep getting, again, is in this low real yield, rising rate environment, should we even own bonds anymore in a portfolio? And I've kind of already answered the question when I made the previous comment, but I'd love to hear how you discuss that with your, with your clients. Yeah, so let's um, let's tackle rising rates, and then we'll come back to uh, I'll say the role of of fixed income. You know, look, this whole it goes back to a narrative again. This whole narrative around you know rates have to go. Look, rates are low. Rates have to go up. This is going to happen. I mean, that's a decade plus we've been hearing that argument. You coming out in 08, 09, really even before that, but 08, 09, it was like, oh, rates have to go up. They have to go up. The start of every single year, I hear the same argument over and over again. And yeah, they could go up, but they also could go lower. At each point, we've sort of seen rates go a little bit lower. Maybe they go a little bit higher. Um, so just remember that, that even though rates are low, they can actually go a, a little bit lower. Now, that doesn't actually mean that you may lose money on your bonds. There's plenty of, there's plenty of times where you see rates start to go up and, and you can lose a little bit of money. But let's remember, what happens when, a, when rates go up? In a bond fund, bonds are maturing. What are those bonds doing? They're being invested, invested. higher rates. And so over time, you're actually going to be okay if rates are going to go up. And I'll come back to another point that you said about rising rates. Or, you know, rates are low. I'm concerned they're going to go up. They're making that argument for the U.S. bond market. I mean, let's remember, there's bond markets all over the world. And if rates go up, they're probably not going to go up in lockstep around the world. So okay, great. I see rates go up in the US. Well, they may not go up for euro or yen or Aussie dollar or whatever it is. So we understand these basic principles of diversification. Those same things apply when you're thinking about bonds and rising rates. Um, So I don't get as concerned here about rising rates, especially when you expand your thinking beyond one market and realize that as those rates go up, those bonds inside of my fund that mature, they're just going to be reinvested at higher rates. That's going to be a good thing for me as an investor. Right. Well, and, and markets are obviously very noisy in, in the short run. I mean, over time, they're not as noisy, obviously. But in the short run, they're really noisy. And, um, you know, oftentimes you dissect why rates are going up. And it's usually because you've got an economy that's expanding. I mean, that's the problem today. I mean, we've got this reopening of the economy and which is causing these supply problems that may have created some of this transitional inflation, as Fed Chairman Powell has described. Um, but again, these rising rates could also be a byproduct of faster growth, which is good for the equities. 
So again, I, th I think the theme here is um, don't fear rising rates. Uh, just make sure you have a strategy in place that recognizes there are a number of types of risk. And know, again, in well-diversified portfolios where you've got U.S., you've got international, you've got short, intermediate, you're reinvesting at the higher rates. And over time, you'll get a higher return because you're reinvesting at the higher rates. That point you made, though, just right there about, well, hey, you know, bonds aren't doing so well, but rising rates mean maybe my stocks are doing well. <laughs> it's funny, you know, a lot of times investors want all of their investments to be doing really well all of the time. <laughs> right. And in a diversified portfolio, that's a lot of times that's just not the way it shakes out. You know, you got some stuff doing well, eh, maybe some stuff that's not doing the way that you expected, but it's holding up just fine. And you got these things over here, oh, they're doing okay. But you know what? Next year it may flip a little bit and stuff right. that was doing really well, that's eh, not doing as well, but you know, stuff that wasn't performing, oh, it's doing great. So that's the diversified portfolio, you know, especially if you're never going to be the winner or the loser in the short term, but that's kind of the point of diversification. Now over the long term, different story. That's where you really start to see diversified portfolio pay off. Right. Right. Okay. Well, th that, that was very helpful. So the last one is sort of this FOMO thing, you know, fear of missing out. And of course, recently it's been around things like uh, the meme stocks, you know, that these young investors um, or many young investors seem to be chasing. But in particular, it's crypto. I mean, I'm getting a lot of um, questions about crypto and did we miss the boat on crypto or should we be investing in, uh, you know, digital currency like Bitcoin? So tell me a little bit about how uh, you communicate with your investors or your clients, your in clients about this kind of issue, about the crypto or or the fear of missing out. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so... You know, first off, let's break down what we're really talking about around. Well, let's move crypto aside for a second. Let's just talk about Bitcoin because everybody wants to talk about Bitcoin. Okay. Yep. And let's understand first there's an underlying technology, blockchain te technology below Bitcoin that actually has tons of applications. It's a dimensional. We're looking at that because you're talking about this concept of a, a distributed ledger. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to that. And you're starting to see blockchain technology be applied in a number of different ways. That's a great thing. Bitcoin is just one manifestation of blockchain technology. So let's make sure that we separate those things first. Right. Now let's talk about Bitcoin. And you're exactly right. It's the FOMO thing. It's the missing out. It's I read about this. I heard about this. I want to chase the shiny object of the day. But when I look at something like Bitcoin, one, you know, what are we really investing in? You're investing in a hope that somebody's going to pay more for it in the future. Yeah. You know, so, I think about it like baseball. Yeah, like some, you, some, yeah, some might call that speculating, not investing. Someone may call that spec. I think that does go down the speculating path for sure. Yeah. yeah like baseball cards. Like you own a baseball card. If you buy a baseball card as an investment, you're buying that in the hope that someone's going to pay more in the future. Now, how's that different from a stock? Well, a stock, you're actually buying ownership in a company that produces things and it has intellectual capital. It's going to kick off cash flows and it's going to do all of those things. So, very different there. I'm not just buying hope. I'm actually buying a producing asset with inside an economy. Now, a couple of other things to think about around Bitcoin is Bitcoin is part of a set of cryptocurrencies. The concept of cryptocurrencies is being looked at by central banks. And there's hundreds of them that are out there right now. And probably some of them are going to be the winners. They're going to do really well. 
But that also means that hundreds of them are going to be the losers. They're going to fall off and they're going to go to zero. Now, is Bitcoin going to go to zero? I don't have a clue. Bitcoin, it's trading right around 32,000. It could go up to 100,000. It could go to zero within the next month. I don't have a clue around that. But now you get to the investment part and you say, okay, so I, I hear what you're saying. Someone's got to pay more for in the future. But with any investment, you have to ask yourself, what role does it play in the portfolio? Okay, so I buy Bitcoin because I want long-term growth. Uh, I got to believe global stocks are going to do a better job than that. And oh, by the way, they're probably going to be a lot less volatile. I mean, you can just see that in the last month or two with right. Bitcoin. Okay, so it doesn't play that role. Uh, kicking off income or whatever I'm putting fixed income in there is stability, capital preservation, you name it. Nah, it's not really going to play that role. You know, then people will make an argument. We talked about inflation. They're like, oh, it's a hedge for inflation. You know, inflation's not that volatile. You don't hedge something that's not that volatile with something that's crazy volatile. So I can't really see where it fits into what I'm trying to accomplish as an investor. Um, you know, two more small points. It does take a ton of energy, by the way, uh, which you, know, right. you read a lot of articles right. about that right. kind of energy to mine it. Right. Um, so, you know, I just, I think it's a great news story. It is that FOMO. It's the shiny object of the day. And by the way, every three or four years, there's a shiny object of the day that people want to chase. Right. As an investor, I find a hard time making a sound argument for why I should have it in my portfolio. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that well, that was incredibly helpful, Jake. And um, yeah, so this has been really, really cool. I, I appreciate your uh, sharing some of those thoughts. I uh, when I set this meeting, uh, this uh, show up with Jake, I talked him into doing two shows. So I, I knew there were some other things I wanted to delve into about evidence based investing and some of the new research on the way we build and manage portfolios, and in particular the way dimensional builds and manage portfolios. And uh, and some things around tax efficiency in investing, which I think would be a really important topic um, that we could chat about to do uh, as well. So Jake has agreed to come back for the July show. So thank you, Jake. We'll uh, we'll look forward to welcoming you back. Uh, any final comments before we wrap up today? Any And, and um, if people want to learn more about uh, you or Dimensional, what is the best way for them to learn more about, about you and your firm? Yeah, I think you can just go on to uh, DFAUS.com. Um, you know, there actually is kind of a cool spot on there. If you go to the, uh, I think there's an insights tab that you can check out. We post a lot of articles on these things. So we got some stuff we just out there on inflation. We've got a good piece on on cryptocurrencies or on on Bitcoin there. And, um, you know, pretty, pretty easily digestible, uh, good stuff you can check on. And you can call it a blog or whatever, but uh, a good spot to check out on that website. Okay, could you repeat the site again? dfaus.com beautiful beautiful well thank you thank you so much again jake this has been a pleasure i can't wait to hear your thoughts next month so thanks again uh audience for joining us today on the money and meaning show we hope you found this was time well spent and you know maybe some of the questions you've been asking your advisor as well that hopefully uh jake's wisdom provided some some insight uh, if you enjoy the show and like to check us out we're on itunes and other platforms so just check us out at the money and meaning show if you like the show uh tell us about it if there are other topics you'd like to hear about please check in as well so thanks again and uh, have a great rest of the day Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. 
Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.